right, how's it going? It's Matt, you're listening to episode 118 of the Looking Sideways Action Sports Podcast. As you probably know by now, it's the show where I try and uncover the most interesting stories in action sports and other related endeavours. If you're one of the many new listeners I've picked up recently, then welcome. I hope you enjoy the show. You can find my full back catalogue and all show notes over at the website www.wearelookingsideways.com. So this is the final episode of my Cornwall omnibus. I've got to admit, even for me, straddling as it has the uh, the beginning of the corona crisis, this does feel like it's been going on longer than the Labour leadership election. Um, but here we are, you know, we're at the end of it. Thanks for checking them all out. Thanks to my guests so far and thanks to Watergate Bay for hosting me. My guest this week is the legendary Steve England. Steve is director of Orca Publications, head of Muse Media and editor and publisher of Carve Magazine. I mean, that's what it says on his LinkedIn page. I just had a look. But that does not do justice to the absolutely integral role Steve England has played in the UK surf industry for well over three decades now. And as you're going to hear... There are many, many layers to his brilliant story. So in preparing for this one, I spoke to our mutual friend and old looking sideways guest, Gabe Davis, and his words perhaps give you a measure of the regard in which Steve is held across the industry. Steve, says Gabe, is the absolute heart and soul of UK surfing. He sees and hears everything and it's a responsibility he takes very seriously. And I can completely back that up as you're going to hear from our conversation, think of any significant incident in UK surfing. Well, and also global surf industry goings on as well, as you're also going to hear. Steve England is at the heart of it. The launch of Surfers Against Sewage, he was there, pioneering the entire British surf media and industry, check. Um, and so it goes on, as you're going to hear. And what's especially brilliant about all this is that it is so clearly driven by Steve's absolute passion for surfing and its inherent possibility when it comes to transforming lives, which is something he expresses with great eloquence during our conversation. And then there's the final layer to all this, which is the arc of Steve's career itself. As he says himself, if he can do it, anybody can do it. Now, I, I, I try and feature a lot of these stories, people that are the glue that bind these industries together, and I always kind of refer to them as the life of stories, you know, the tales of people who've been in it since day dot for no other reason that they absolutely love the thing, the culture that they're involved with and who are basically creating the culture and making the industry what it is. And this one is as good as any of those stories as I've ever had on the show. Steve was somebody I'd wanted to get on here for years, really. I know him pretty well. You know, we've got a similar career arc, really. And, you know, we're, we're matey, we're pally, let's say. See each other at trade shows and all that. And I've been chipping away at him for a few years. It took me a while to convince him to come on the show. But I'm very, very glad he's finally agreed, as you're going to hear. I'll be back at the end. But here it is, me and Steve England. Enjoy. finally tracked you down i finally got you after how long like a couple of years now since i yeah. first asked you yeah finally got a gun to your head got you to do it yeah i was kind of like a bit nervous about doing it 
So I literally, you know, I'm in work, I'm going to do my thing, and then I go home and I just go for a surf. I go surfing with the kids, and I don't really talk about work and stuff. And, like, you don't want to come across like a dick. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a common one, mate. Everyone, yeah. Everyone's the same. Everyone's like, really? Why, why do you want me to come on it? Like, you know. Yeah. But then, like, Gabe and a few people said, yeah, you, you should come and do it. And I thought, well, maybe I should because... You know, I've done some quite cool stuff, but it's not because I'm particularly an amazing person, but just because certain things happened. Well, it's like I was saying, like, one of, what's really interesting, why I really wanted to do it is because, you know, like we were just saying then, it, it's, a, it's a pretty random career you've ended up carving out for yourself around surfing. Yeah. And I think it's probably a bit like mine with snowboarding. It, you just kind of make, you follow them little choices, don't you, and them little little things, and then suddenly you're like... Oh, hang on. Like, yeah. I actually kind of ended up getting a career in this, you it's know, without really mad. planning it or anything, you know? Yeah, because I, you know, I just kind of found out that I could do it. But there's loads of people out there who really want to write and they're all frustrated. And my mum was one of them. So, and she's just passed away like two weeks ago. Oh, sorry, and she mate. always wanted to, to write, but never did because she always felt held back. Right. So that's one of the reasons that I wanted to come on. Right, right. Sorry to hear that, man. Yes. It's life. Yeah, it catches up with you, especially when you know we're we're getting on a bit, aren't we? Yeah, you start to see it more. But the thing is, you know, she had dementia, um, but we had such an amazing bond and life in Porthtown on a beach. We grew up on a beach in a pub. Yeah, and she was life and soul of the community. All the surfers loved her. She loved all the surfers. She helped out people and stuff like that. So you just got to be thankful of those times. Yeah. That's why I kind of see it. Yeah, well, it's like you say. I mean, it's it's going to happen to all of us. There's yeah, no, there's no way around it. Yeah, and you, and you know, you might as well try and have that attitude that you're talking about, really. Like, just, yeah, just focus on those good things that happened and yeah. and accept it. Yeah. Not easier said than done, though. No, but you know, she left a good legacy. She helped out loads of people. You know, she was the typical kind of um, landlady. You know, and somebody had something to say needed a shoulder to cry on and right. she was there right you know she wants she was only like fight for nothing and <laughs> she wants chucked out the uh, devil's disciples she right just, she had to stand on the bar stool because <laughs> this guy was six foot four and she's like this is my pub you're not messing around right. out you go so no one messed with her yeah so she was like full character yeah but one of the things that is one of the things you know she was frustrated and she always wanted to write um so that is the main reason i'm kind of on here because if there's anybody thinking of writing or thinking of photography or they've got a dream just go out on a limb and do it you know don't hold yourself back just get out there what do you think held her back just to say like one of them of like circumstance like born in in the i think there's this whole thing where it's like you know people see ceilings yeah and they don't think that it's kind of like achievable or they kind of you know, some people really put themselves out there and they have the confidence. But there's a lot of people who don't have that confidence, you know, and it's a massive thing. I remember writing my first article and uh, I sent it in and I was just like, oh, no, what did I do that for? You know, I'm just going to get slated. And then, you know, if you're going into print, I had the same kind of feeling. I've never been that, like, really overconfident person. I've always been kind of, like, self-facing, you know. Yeah. And so it was a massive deal. So where did it come from? Where did you get the confidence from then if you, if you like... To be honest, I just went to... Uh, so basically, grew up on a pub, on the beach, amazing, surfing all the time. Yeah. Dad saw the pub. Right. 
I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so now I'm a labourer. And, you know, winter, Cornwall, labouring, yeah. 50 mile an hour winds, horizontal, you know, yeah. sleet, snow, lime in the face, I'm choking on concrete, all of that stuff, you know, I'm not good enough to be a bricklayer and I was just like, I've got to do something, so I'm going to go to university. Right. So I kind of went there uh, to do accounting, was like just the black sheep in accounting. So they said, why don't you do business studies? I was like... Right, I'll not give that a go. Right. But within that, you know, you have to start doing your little assignments. Yeah, you have to, well, you have to write. I mean, like, there's yeah. no way around it. You go to university, you, you're doing a lot of writing, aren't you? You yeah. know what I mean? And, like, you've got to get your head around that. But then somebody was like, you're, you're quite good at your writing. I was like, really? Right. And she was like, yeah. So then, um, as part of my course, I had to go um, and do a year in industry right so i was working for service against seizures at the time as one of the founding directors doing all that in the background and uh i got a grant to go out and help surf rider foundation right and the surf rider ah, foundation right. this is where this came from right. yes yeah, okay. surf rider foundation was right next door to asl yeah right so i'm in there messing like about a, it's like a placement then yeah it's a yeah. placement right Back in the day, you could get yeah. grants for such yeah, stuff. Yeah, well, then again, you know, I was when, so when was this? Like early night, like late 92, 93. Yeah, I went to university in 94. Yeah. yeah. So, you, I mean, you, you, you got a grant. Yeah. <laughs> you got paid. And my officers at Burley yeah. Heads. Yeah, it was right. amazing. Right, so you got a placement. And did you get to choose that? You were like, right, I want to go and do that. No, I picked it because I was heavily involved in the service against sewage. And I could see Surfrider Foundation Oz trying, and it only had like one person trying to run it, Brad Farmer. Right. And I was like, do you know what? We've got 15,000 members, went from like zero to, to that in a couple of years, really driving it. And I was like, well, actually, maybe my experience as a director, I can go over there and help. Right. So I kind of sent him a letter, and he just rung me up and said, yeah, come over. Right. So I went out and did that. Um, do you reckon anyone else had offered? Because I don't mean no. it like I don't mean it like that. Because no. just what I mean is like well, no one else. It's yeah. one of them things. Was, it's, one the of them, <laughs> but it's one of them things, though, isn't it? Where you're like, you were probably the only one that actually thought of it to do it. Do you know what I mean? That's what I'm getting yeah. at. Like nobody. You, yeah, it was it was one of those things. I was heavily into environmentalism. You know, I wanted to to change things and make a difference, and it, it just seemed like a good opportunity. Also, you know, we had a chat with like Chris and everybody at SAS and all the directors, and what we really wanted to do was set up a network, you know, so you had Surfrider America, yeah. which is going great guns, but there's nothing in Europe at the time, right. but there was Australia, so it's like, right, if we can get to Oz, then all of a sudden you start making links. Connecting it. Connecting the dots, yeah. you know, because they had the similar kind of um, problems, you know, with long sea outfalls and yeah, yeah. headland and stuff like that yeah. and there were some activists there but the surfers really hadn't got on on board you yeah. know I remember speaking to Tim Baker when I was over there and I came in because the officer was just there and he was just like what's going on over there it's just like wow this is what we've done and he just went that is amazing right you never have it there yeah and I didn't kind of get it because to me Australia was this like wonderful world that I'd been obsessed with by, from the age of four. The promised land. The promised land. Yeah, the and promised surf so land. Much yeah. opportunity <laughs> yeah. to be different. But I went over there and I was like, all right, 
how many members you got? And then, well, we've not got that many members. So we're like, right, let's start bringing about. Right. See if we can get a few people and then a big chat to a mate going, are you a member of Surfrider Ross? And they go, no, mate. And I was going, well, well, why not? So well, what do I get? And I was like, well, it's like an NGO, you know, and they represent all the surfers um, and fight coastal pollution and stuff. Yeah, but what else do I get? And I was like, what do you mean? And they go, well, <laughs> do I get a T-shirt or do I get a sweatshirt? And I get I'm a going, stick. Where's the stickers? Well, <laughs> you can do, but that's a bit extra. And yeah. they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, you're not quite getting this, are you? Yeah. So they weren't quite on the ball. Some of them really were. Right. You know, but they were seen as kind of like the activists. Same as in back in the day when we set up SAS, the eco-warriors were kind of looked down on, you know, they're from Green and Common, you know, the Crusties and yeah, that kind diff, of stuff. It was, a diff, it was a very left-wing, like unfashionable Ross. thing, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. You know, really, really removed from mainstream culture, wasn't it? Yeah. At the time. Yeah. You know, like, you, occasionally you'd get that thing that had come in the press, like, you'd get Green and Common, you'd get, like, the McLibel thing. Yeah. You know, you'd get that, you'd get that kind of story, but they People were always... People were fighting. But you'd always, they were always painted as, like, weirdos, basically, weren't yeah. they? You Prince know? Charles. Yeah. Perfect example. Some of the stuff, when you go back to the, you know, when he was a young prince, what he was saying... He was spot on with plastics. He was spot on with pollution. He was spot on with lots of stuff. He got absolutely slated in the press. He got ridiculed. Yeah. And it's all come home to roost. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so anyway, it was, it was kind of like going back to that, you know, SAS kind of were on the forefront of making it all look cool. Yeah. But one thing we said at the start was like, we're not environmentalists. We're surface against sewage. Yeah. And we'll make this cool by not labeling ourselves. But anyway, so I was doing all of that. Let's get, let, we'll get back to surface skin season a bit, I reckon. Yeah. But, but. And uh, so anyway, one day I, I was just like, I used to just like go and wander in and see what Derek Ryland and Tim Baker were doing because it was the glory days of ASL. And I was just like, this is amazing. So I'd go, Ted Granber will be there. I'll be like, my hero, yeah, you know, right. photographer. Yeah, just yeah. like legend. Uh, so I popped my head in and one day they were doing an annual and they said oh yeah, we're doing this annual and I said well I'll write something and he went <laughs> really? I went yeah I'll give it a go amazing so I went home wrote something went back and they just went you did all that last night I was like yeah and Tim just went I think you've got something so that's kind of how it started and then back at um, back at home Chris Power was doing Groundswell which is the British Serpent Association newsletter yeah we were all doing photo trips. I wrote a couple of articles for him. And then on issue five, I went to work for him. Right. I was actually offered the job for Surfer's Path. Right. Really? Go. Yeah. I was probably one of the only surfers writing, uh, scraping the bottom of the barrel. For, for permanent publishing? Like, yeah. So right. I went and interviewed for that. And they said, with, oh, with, yeah. With Jim? Yeah. Right. No yeah. way. That's hilarious. Yeah. 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 Because he was but my boss for you. Was he? Yeah. yeah that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. really nice chat. But one of the things was they went, right. Um, of course, you'll have to come and live in Oxford. Yeah. You've got to like, move to Abingdon. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, what? Yeah. It I was, just can't do it. Anyway. We, we, we actually refused. Yeah. Like, we, we, we said, I mean, and he must have hated us. <laughs> Me and my mate Chris, who we're doing the words for white lines because it was the same thing they were like you got to move to abingdon and we were like you can't run a snowboarding magazine from abingdon no so, so we were like well, we'll 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 do it if we can live in the alps basically <laughs> um and he agreed to it did he yeah because uh, and then in the end alex because alex got 
I yes. did read obviously ended yeah. up doing the doing the service path. He um, moved to Bude. Yeah, and he but he had to do a little stint in Abingdon, he didn't did, he? Yeah. And I remember I remember go, I remember we because we'd go up every few we'd go up every like month or so when we were in the UK, you know, and we'd go and do the deadlines and all that. And um and he yeah, he was like, talk about fish out of water. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. He's like, What am I doing here? I know. Yeah. But I think he had it good when he was imbued, so he made up for it. Yeah, yeah. Right, so you, okay, I didn't know that. Right, so yeah. so when did the, because obviously we should, you know, if people don't know, so now you run it's Orca pub- Publications. Orca Publications, yeah. so we have Carve, we have Surf Girl, we've got two shops and we've got all the social media. And you do books. Books, yeah, yeah we've got you, Surf Travel books, Surf you, Fitness books. You just did the Lauren's Kids book, Just right? did Lauren's Kids book, yeah, yeah Little Turtle Turns the Tide, so yeah, yeah. eco book you know aimed at kids like just really lauren went away lauren uh, davis yes yeah. lauren davis and gabe known each other a long time yeah yeah since like the blue juice days yeah yeah another thing and, we should get uh, to <laughs> yeah and uh yeah she just went oh i've done this book with um this illustrator called nico what do you think and i was just like that's amazing yeah and it's aimed at like three to five year olds. It's really well illustrated. It's great. She's done a whole school pack. So she was like, What do you think? Do you think we can like and I was like, Yeah, we're gonna print this. Yeah, yeah. So I set up a crowdfunder which went really well. Yeah. Um, and it's out and the US version is gonna come out in about well, it'll be out in May. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's quite an empire. You've kind of, you know, I'm, 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 I'm about empire. You know what I mean? It's though. a lot of work. You know what I mean? Though you've got, you've got like magazines. You've got contract publishing. You've yeah. So, when did you did? How did it start? Like, let's go there. What was your so, involvement? So, how it all started was um, Mike Sell and Louisa set up Three Sixty Bodyboard Magazine. Yeah. Chris went to them with Groundswell saying we all harassed him saying you got to do a magazine because like. You know, this is really good. And it's given a lot of coverage to a lot of people yeah. around the country. So he set up Carve. And then I came in on issue four. Right. So I've been there. When was this? This was 1994. Okay, right. Yeah, stroke five. So you've been there ever since? Been there ever since, yeah. And what did you go in as at the start? Like a writer? Assistant editor and advertising manager. Classic. Doing, yeah. doing both sides of the line, yeah. ads and editorial. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a tricky brief. <laughs> yeah, well... Not if you're writing it, actually. It's a tricky no. brief if you've got twats like me on the editorial and you're the ad guy. <laughs> sorry, yeah, Chris, no, sorry, Chris I've Fanbury. never had that conflict. I had it with one person, but we kind of, like, do what we want to do and the industry have been good. It's not the same in other places. I know there's editorial pressures, but we've always just gone, do you know what? Let's do our thing. Yeah. Because we're doing our best. Yeah. You know, we do our best for everybody and funny, you know, whatever. But we're never going to slate people for no reason. Yeah. And and there is, at this time, there is a lot of pylons, you know, social media, all that kind of stuff just not into that you no. know see there's so many positives and if you've got media you know and you've got a voice i think you've got a responsibility to try and push positive messages support people in what they want to do and try and make positive change well especially if you're representing something like british surfing as well exactly because and that's what it's all about because british surf yeah because it you know and i'm going to use the snowboard analogy again because i think there are a lot of similarities culturally and industry wise but we are a little 
weird outpost. Yeah. And we are a little, you know, we're obviously part of the wider industry, but we've created a unique, A, like just the, the natural scene yeah. Is, yeah. is unique because yeah. of, of the conditions and the way you've got to go about it. But then the industry that's grown around that and the media is also very British, very unique, yeah. you know. Um, it's all linked. It's all very small. I, I kind of agree with you. I think you've, you've got to be positive, haven't you? You've got to just... You've got yeah, to I don't want to waste time. I don't want to put anybody down, you know. It's like there's too many challenges in people's lives for somebody else to be going, hey, that's crap. Hey, surfing is dead. Yeah. Hey, you know, this. It's just like, why? Why are you doing that? Yeah. You know, why not? Like when I was a Grom, it was really hard to get your picture. And it was like impossible to get in the magazine. Right, okay. What are we going to do? We're going to take pictures of Groms. We're going to give them their own pages. We're going to try and support people, trying to tr build their pathways, you know, help them with sponsorship, give them the coverage. Because nobody else outside the UK, uh, UK cares. Yeah. You know, they don't care. No. They're, they're all about their top elite athletes. Well, we're not. We're about trying to support the kids, you know, out yeah, here. Yeah, that's the point. And that's Two the point. foot on shore at Brighton that's, doing their best. That's the point that people miss as well. Like, yeah. it's not... Because, you know, you'll occasionally get, and we get it in snowboarding as well. Not so much anymore because, you know, British snowboarding's now obviously like, you know, there's people who've won Olympic medals and shit. But back yeah. in the day, like, you know, you would get people come in and go like, this is shit. Like, they're not good enough. They're, yeah. they're, like, the standard's not high enough, you yeah. know. And I'd always be like, you, you, we don't, the good thing about what we've got is we don't even need to be judged on that. No. And if you don't get that, yeah. you, you're missing the point basically yeah. because we are a little random scene that yeah. support ourselves, and that's fine. You yeah. know, and um, you know, we didn't grow up with like the Californian beach culture or the Australian beach culture or so tough here. You know, it's different. <laughs> no, it's like when, you know, Russ made the tour, Spenny surfed sunset, you know, now you've got Cotty, Lowy, Butler, they are amongst the big wave elite. You know, that has taken masses of effort and time and, and commitment to get to that level. Yeah. You know, you've got Skin Dog and all the longboarders. You know, yeah, we've got yeah. like five to ten world-class longboarders who are going out there off their own backs mainly. It's all self-funded, you know, because we are this little island and it's not Australia. Yeah. It's more difficult to carve your way through and uh, they're doing it. So I just think they deserve all the support they can get. So if I'm, you know, I'm not going to sit there and slag somebody off when I can spend my time supporting those guys. So that was in, that was built in from the start then. So from when Always. You, yeah, it was always like, we're going to support this. We're going to... Always. Because I've been there, you know. Yeah. I tried to get some money to go... Well, I was in the semi-finals of the British at Jersey one year. Right. And they, they, they stopped it. And... Um, they wanted us to go back two weeks later and it was 75 quid and I didn't have the 75 quid yeah, yeah. to go, you know. So to, that's that, isn't it? Yeah. And I was just like gutted, but I don't have it. Yeah. So what can I do, you know? And I don't want other, other people to, you know, miss opportunities. Yeah. And, you know, I had a bad experience with another editor of a magazine who was just like, why would I have pictures of you when I knew he had them? Because somebody said, and it's right. just like... Somebody needs to be out there just like to have somebody's back, you know, if, if they want a bit of advice. This is the best thing about the whole media thing. If somebody wants a bit of advice, then I'm at the end of the yeah, phone yeah. or the end of an email or whatever. Or, you know, they're going, oh, what do you think about this? And you can do it or a bit of coverage or, hey, can you run my story? 
you know, what do you think of it? We did a writing contest last year. We had loads of entries yeah. and some of them amazing. People are crying out for those opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. One of them, you know, one of the guys, a uh, writer from um, The Telegraph read it and he went, I love that. That was amazing. And it was just some guy who'd, you know, just sat down and went, oh, do you know what? I'm going to give this a go. And yeah, it yeah. In. So to have that praise. Yeah. Then you've got your photographers. How many photographers are out there? There's yeah. loads of them. And, you know, sometimes I don't think they feel that they're kind of like good enough because sometimes they're like, no way, I can't believe you've run my photo. And yeah. I'm like, thanks so much for sending it in, mate. You know, I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd love to see photos from Brighton, Bournemouth, um, the East Coast, Scotland, wherever. Well, you, you just you know? showed me the new issue and you've got like a full Bournemouth feature, you know. Yeah, yeah. Which is amazing. Like, so when I was a kid, my... I was down Porth Tower. I used to go down the surf shop. Johnny Minetta used to have the magazines in there. I used to have a chat to him and stuff like that. But one of the only British magazines out there was Tube News. So I knew all the Bournemouth guys right. more than anybody else and the guys in Brighton. And in my and they used to come down to Porth Town as well and have a surf. So in my eyes, they were my heroes. So yeah. like your Derek Dears, your Guy Penn Wardens, Paul Wiltshire was an amazing switch foot from the Witterings, like really stylish, actually goofy, but he just absolutely ripped. You know, um, Nick Castle used to come down, Tony Butt before his big wave surf, he was, you know, popped down. Yeah. So Try I knew all those guys. Actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the other thing I really like as well, having like done the comps and travelled like all the way around the country, is I really like the interaction between all the little crews. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. So we used to have the crew shots. Yeah. You know, because all the boys up and down and around the country, everybody knows somebody who knows it. So you can wander into any town and any bar yeah. and just go, you're right, and somebody will know each other. Well, and that is that is the community. That yeah. is that is the scene. Yeah. That is it, isn't it? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's it is, it is so Im- strong. It is important to remember that that's as much a part of, of our little world as, like you say, you know, like the, the, the top pros or whatever, you know, yeah. like all the people that are yeah. getting the exposure as important as they are, yeah. you know? Yeah. Because obviously another scenes and communities is kind of you know coverage is about that isn't it and i, and I think the yeah. fact that it doesn't need to be about that here is, is a great thing yeah personally. well surfing isn't about that is it no well not for not for everybody no, that's not what it is that's <laughs> not the, the magical thing you know i love the boys that um challenging the massive waves and that's huge and the boys like luke dylan you know he's, he's tr- flying all over trying to get on the ct and the other groms behind him and ben and all i love all that yeah, competition course, yeah. but best thing about surfing and this is why it's better than the olympics which you can pick up on later yeah it's like any single day in any conditions anybody can feel like a world champ yeah and you never forget your first waves you never forget the battle against the ocean and taking off and riding your first wave i mean nobody forgets it no and i've asked all the top pros and they don't forget that feeling and from that day on you're absolutely hooked I mean, I'm a shit surfer, and I'm I'm still like yeah, but you feel like a world champion. No, don't but when you? I get a good wave, though, I'm like yeah. For me, I'm I'm still like, I come out of the sea and I'm like, fuck, I actually just did that. Like you know, yeah, like it, yeah, that, like it. That, all right, I, I actually can. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's that thing, no, isn't it? I love it. I yeah. love it, and it doesn't and like matter. You say, that it doesn't matter about how good you are. No, like, and that's the common thread that yeah. bonds everybody. Like you go out there, it's two foot, and like you're. You think you've thrown this massive kind of fanning <laughs> hack, and actually your board didn't change direction. You come out and go, "Do you see my hack?" Yeah, and yeah. it was like, "What are you talking about?" He said, "Do you have the spray still coming down in, in Ireland? What are you talking about?" No, no. And the other really good one on that as well is uh, 
getting barreled. Everybody. Still still never happened for me, mate. My head down, arse out. You're getting, <laughs> you're getting the lip in the side of the ear. You're getting your surface ear. Yeah. And you'll get out and say, see my keg. And it'll be like, <laughs> what are you talking about? But you're, you're bitter. You're just bitter because, you know, I just got kegged. I've got like, you know, 10 second keg. And it's like, it's that much. But how special is that? That a split second in the sea, just one manoeuvre once, and it is split seconds, because none of our waves can appeal off for more than 10 seconds, <laughs> can make your whole day. Oh, it's literally my life's ambition. Yeah. I got out of the sea. I had two crappy surfs last joking. weekend. I took um, my nephew, Lucas, and my boy down, you know, and we had, it was like two to three foot yeah. onshore. Went out, had a bigger board, I had a right laugh. I got home. I'm sat there in front of the TV. I'm just blissed out because I've had a few good waves. This seal's popped up in front of me, a little baby seal. We had a laugh about that and I've hung out with a few of the boys. Yeah. And some, there's something special. I've done a lot of sports, but you can't beat that surfed out feeling. It kind of like, it's something to do with the ozone, something to do with the dolphins, something to do with tiredness, but there's nothing like it. I mean, I'm pretty lucky. I've had holes in ones and hit sixes and stuff. I can just like do some stuff. Yeah. But there's absolutely nothing like surfing. And that is why it's so special. Yeah, yeah. And that's what you try to represent through the work then, through what you've been doing. Yeah, everything, you know, yeah. everything about it. And that's, you know, if I have to go and speak to anybody, you know, and then today we're all kooks, you know. We can all do a few good things, <laughs> but quote. we're all so stoked and the, so amped the, the on quote, surfing. The quote just took care of itself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, like you know, the worst thing is watching yourself back on video. Never do it. Yeah, because like, you all think get a Slater. In our heads, we're we're like doing you know Slater buttons, yeah. current, whatever. Yeah, you're trying to you're kind of trying to emulate them and have yeah. a style. Now you see yourself back, you're like. Oh, my days. My bear got looking a bit big. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So how many people are you at Orca now? It's you and uh, one, two, Sharpies on Carve, is yeah, it? Yeah, so there's three of us on Carve. Uh, there's three on Surf Girl. Um, a couple of people take care of the shops. Yep. Uh, Chris does, looks after the books. Yep. Okay. Yeah, okay. So it's quite, so a big, quite a big team. For what we do, probably not. It's like, you know, we we are quite prolific. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, the output is 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 pretty. It's a lot. It's pretty consistent, isn't it's it? It's a lot. Yeah. And if, so, presumably, that just like you learned how to do that as it went on. Like it just grew. Like yeah. the the ability to kind of yeah, just to, enthusiasm to, to put it out on all these different fronts. Yeah, just learning. You know, and I'm kind of like my own biggest critic. So you always want to do something that's really good. You know, and you're quite competitive. You know that. We wanted to do something that was as good as ASL or as good as, you know, the American mags, you know, and, and just try your best, but with our content, which is more relatable, you yeah. know, and the people down the beach here, you know, they can all get their shots in the mag, you know, they can be in the mag and, and why not? You're never going to get in Surfer, you're never going to get in ASL, yeah. you know, you're not. So that's what it's all about. And then when the internet came along, it's, it's just like, yeah, let's do it. Right. So, so were, you we, quite, were you quite ahead of it on that? We were really ahead. We were so far ahead, nobody knew what an email newsletter was. So we were sending out, and we, we got it all worked out, you know, Flash, 
did the whole thing and they looked really good and we were going to the brands going hey look see what we've done we've done the kind of these email newsletters you know and it's got all this animation in, and they were just like what's that <laughs> like, <laughs> right this is something you need to kind of work on and then social media came along and yeah we just embraced that as well you know it's one of those things it's amazing for us you know yeah. we were sat in a little office and we got some of the biggest followers in the world you know surf girl magazine is the biggest women's surfing community in the world yeah i mean it's massive isn't it yeah yeah i've got videos on facebook now it's two of them i'd go through a million one of them is <laughs> it's hilarious one of them is a farmer on a bodyboard trying to surf down a field i think i might have, yeah i saw that one yeah 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 and then the, the guys river surfing in butte yeah but, yeah that i mean that was everywhere wasn't it yeah yeah, yeah. So to, to have that reach, you know, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. And um, with with the books and stuff, was that like a conscious thing that, that came later where you kind of, or how that work? Was, did someone have an idea or? Yeah, so we used to do like little guides, you know, a guide to surfing in Britain and stuff like that. And then it was just. Because you've done loads, you, you've done loads of stuff, haven't you? You know, you've did, did you know, there's been, there's been guidebooks, you've yeah. done cookbooks. Yes. Yeah. You've done kind of travelogues and stuff right yeah if i'm if i'm right yeah you need to, it's a it's a really varied output isn't it yeah you've got to keep working and you pay the bills yeah 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 <laughs> and it, so they just people approach you with ideas or it's no, like you, you lot have ideas yeah. right the cookbooks um we kind of have done for clients right you know, and we've gone to them and gone you know how about doing this because we think it would take off yeah and then they've been really good we worked with sharps you know we did one for them with yeah. beer and food which has gone really well so there's a, so there's that angle where you kind of find brands that you sort of pitch ideas to and yeah and only if we kind of really like them and think yeah you know, the people. well it's, it's what everyone does you know yeah you know it's, it's the yeah. game really yeah you know you have so, an idea you find someone that you can work with don't you yeah so yeah done loads of stuff yeah and you mentioned, um, you know, obviously you've got these long routes with Surfers Against Sewage that you yeah. mentioned earlier. Yeah. So tell, tell me, because you kind of said, oh, I was already working with Surfers Against Sewage. Like, yeah. um, so how, how did that come about? Presumably from so way, way you were living. Way back. So yeah. lived at Porth Town on the beach in the Commodore Inn. And we noticed, particularly mum, you know, um, the sewage was coming in. It was really bad about this tampons, you know, there's all kinds of condoms and stuff on the beach. There's foam surfing in it every day. And uh, mum began to notice that the holidaymakers were getting ill and it coincided. So she started writing to the local paper. So I became aware of it. Right. And like, I'm trying to train to get into the English team. And I was just like, you know what? This is just not on. Yeah. And a few other people were feeling the same thing. So when is this? This is like, yeah, 88, 89. Right. So I started writing to the papers as well. And, the, you know, I started getting a little bit of press coverage in there. Mike Hendy, uh, who, you know, was a legend down our way, was yeah. writing as well. Johnny Manetta, who owned the Tris Surf Shop and was Tris Surfboards, he started to write in. Then Chris Hines and um, Gareth... And AKT, these are all kind of, you won't know them, they're like locals. Yeah, yeah. They were sat around a table, you know, just having a cup of tea after a surf. And they were saying, we've really got to get together and do something. Um, and AKT came up with SAS, Service Good right. Sewage. So they started to have a chat about it and the vibes went through the community because at that time, you know, St. Agnes and Paul Town had really big, vibrant surf communities. Yeah. 
We're just like, yeah, it's not on. Because Porth Town's getting sewage from, and, and Patrice, we're getting sewage from Northcliffs, which is a major outflow from Redruth and Camborne. Right. And then when it was too big, we'd go to St Agnes and the sewage outflow was right on the headland. And the sewage just to do laps of the bay. Oh, man. Yeah, so it's really bad. So Chris rung me up one day. He's going, look, I know you're into this. Do you want to come and join us? And I was a bit like, well, what are you going to do? Because I'd heard... Various things like, oh, we're going to dynamite the outfalls and this, that, and the other. And I was like, I'm not getting involved if that's going to happen. We've got to be straight down the line because yeah. the people that we're dealing with are top politicians, top businessmen. They are on the ball. Yeah. And he, he went, yeah, dead right. That's where we're going to go. Come up. So we had a meeting and, um, yeah, I was one of the founding directors. Right. And you mentioned earlier, you said, you know, we didn't want to be like labeled as environmentalists. You know, no. we wanted to be surface. So from the start, yeah. like you were like the way to get these messages out there is just to concentrate on the fact yeah. that this is basically surface. Yeah. We were really lucky in the fact that a lot of people in our area who were there at that time and wanted to be involved, like Chris, really bright, really knowledgeable, Mike, Hendy, Businessman, Gareth, and AKT, amazing marketers, and also salespeople. Yes, yeah, so clever, like clever group, bright group. Yeah, but we ideas. didn't realise it because we were just surfers. Yeah, and at the yeah. time, surfers were just bums. Yeah, you know, so we'd all just been told we're just bums, but we also had this healthy disrespect of anybody that wasn't a surfer. You know, yeah. if you're not a surfer, you're not cool. Yeah, that was it. You know, you got to be a surfer. Unless you're really funny and then, you, you know, or you could buy around, <laughs> then that's fine. So we had that healthy disrespect. But there was a real mix of people in there with a lot of bright ideas. You yeah. know, AKT, he was into um, trying to get sponsorship for mountain biking and stuff like that. And he had a picture going viral that he set up um, mountain biking down the tin mines. Right. He went all over the place. Yeah, yeah. So it was a lot of people with a lot of bright ideas. And we all had that passion. Yeah. And it kind of went from there. And the whole community got behind it in yeah. St. Agnes. And then we started reaching out. And this comes back to the, the crews around the country going, hey, what do you think about this? And everybody had the same problem. Yeah. And immediately everybody was there. So all of a sudden the Langland board riders were involved you know, and bang up for it. Andrew Coleman down at Bournemouth Brighton. Yeah, yeah. Those guys yeah. right up for it. The East Coast just going, yeah, let's do this. And then because we had good designers and, you know, people with a bit of imagination, the gas mask image came out. Yeah, well, it's iconic stuff, isn't it? You know. It's and like, just legend. And it was, it was, I mean, it was everywhere again, wasn't it? You yeah. Know, like, and it was also like a new, you know, at the time, like we were saying, like, the way that environmentalism was perceived in this country, like it was, it was definitely a new angle, wasn't it? Yeah. And it was definitely like, it worked. It like, let's, totally let's, worked. Let's say that, you know? And, you know, a lot of the stuff we did at the time was really sophisticated. Like I came back, I was at Plymouth Uni and this lecturer was advising um, Southwest Fortunes going, oh yeah, there's nothing anybody can do, blah, blah, blah. Right. And they said the AGM's coming up and I was like, hang on a minute. So, it's an AGM for shareholders. If we buy shares, we can go into the AGM yeah. and have our say. And I just went, boys, never guess what. If we buy some shares, we can go straight in there and yeah. touch all the shareholders. Right. So it was absolute legends. You know, the boys got into a car, drove up there after we bought the shares. The Southwest PR guy 
got wind of it. He called the police. So there's a police van there. There's dogs there. They're all waiting for SAS to come and storm the whole thing and right. like, kick off. That's brilliant. The boys were all in suits. They got out of Mike's BMW and they walked up and brilliant. I collected all the sanitary towels and condoms off the beach because I was lifeguarding. I yeah. put them into a bag and gave them to Mike and he walked up to the PR guy in front of all the cameras and said, I believe these are yours. Gave them to him. He absolutely freaked out. Brilliant. Absolutely lost it. I bet he did. And then the boys went in and they had a chance to talk to all the other you know, sh- stakeholders. And the, and the thing is as well, like those tactics now are like, you know, that was kind of similar to fight for the bite. You know? Yes. It was, yeah. it was basically that tactic. It's that it? tactic. You know, yeah. and... So, like that 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 playbook if you like has yeah. now kind of been you know it's what people it's what people do in the surf industry isn't it yeah you know if you've yeah. got these issues this uh, this is going to be a massive thing for the future is um ethical you know pressure on shareholders yeah to pursue because the top business people at the moment don't care no. about profit and growth profit and growth is not where we're going to be in 20 years time it's going to be about saving the planet but doing the right things with the resources we have and a lot of the problems that of course you've seen stuff like you know syria yeah you're still seeing people starving in africa still you've seen even in the inner cities in this country yeah every all it's the problems grim. are caused by corruption and poverty it's grim at the minute if you go out and you forget the growth and forget the you know you look after people all of a sudden you start nurturing people from the bottom up and society just grows yeah well it does seem obvious doesn't it you know and especially you know like we were saying earlier we've been lucky enough to benefit from that directly being the generation that we are yeah you know essentially you know our education like the the opportunities that we had yeah um which you know when we when i was growing up and i'm sure same for you you just thought that was that was the deal in this country you know basically oh yeah your education's free that's just what we do here yeah you know and you look at it now you know your your son yeah. Not the same for him. Not the same. Doesn't Not have those op- doesn't have those opportunities, no. you know. No. And it is it's just, it's an interesting time. That's obviously a massive euphemism, but yeah, um, you know what I mean? I like know. It, it, it's a weird one at the minute. Yeah, it's like, you know, all the problems you see in the in the cities, you know, and I, I hear cuz I hear drill and rap and stuff cuz my boy's 18, you know, and some of them are, are trying to turn it around and it's like, you know what? Some of those guys out there, they're really good business people. They're just on the wrong track. You know, some of them are really bright. And if they just find their direction or somebody spends a bit of time going, hey, look, come over here, do this. You know, let's go surfing. Let's break the cycle. Let's get you out. They have got massive potential. Like, you know, the streetwise, you know, they know the deals. They know what's going on. You know, they could be working in the city. No problem. Yeah, it's just opportunity that's opportunity that's, that's yeah. being taken away from people, yeah. isn't it? So there's, there's this whole talk of leveling up, you know, and it's been done by the government, but I don't believe them. But if you do level up, then you, it's it's more cost effective. Yeah, of course, it is. to invest because yeah. you don't get the problems later on. Of course, it is. But it's, anyway, it we're going seems, off surfing. It seems it seems obvious, but you know. Yeah. Um, so you still involved with SAS now? No, I was a director for like 12 years or something, 15 years. Yeah. And then uh, my kids came along and, yeah. like, you know, I was working really hard. You can only do so much, yeah. Well, the thing is, it was, um, it's, it's really like everybody, we were full on. Like we worked a lot of hours yeah. unpaid 
and everybody was really highly emotionally involved in the campaign. Yeah. And you can only put in so much where you, you've got to draw a line. And it kind of had got to that stage uh, with me. And I was like, I'd, I'd still fight every single day, you know, any way that I can and support everybody. I'm just not on the board. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I'm still, my heart's still there. Yeah, and I think if you've got a role like you've got in the, in this mm. industry and community, then you're yeah. involved, aren't you? you know? We're there for life. There was four of us in the initial days and um, we were paranoid because there's a lot of people who really didn't like what we were doing, you right. know, telling us to be quiet. And it's like, okay, well, what if a load of people come to the AGM and vote us all off? And try and take it over and try and do because there was some weird stuff going on right some weird rumors out there you know and so we all with four of us signed up to be um kind of like trustees with i've come with a special kind of share yeah yeah yeah. and we were just right we're in this for life so if anything ever happens yeah um the directors can always like come back to us and we will oversee whatever's going on right you know so to absolutely guarantee that that organization would be always you know yeah about the surfers always about looking after the coast yeah so yeah in it for life yeah another thing that you were really involved with that you kind of mentioned to me earlier is the the surfing reserve idea right yeah that's so this is such a rad story so 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 these are like so, um, Arisera is one, right? <laughs> yeah, there's loads. And, like, um, in California, yeah. um, the Gold Coast, the Gold Coast, is, there's, the there's, what, there's like six now, is there six or seven? Yeah, I think it's like 10. But yeah. Like, but they're like the iconic. Yeah. 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 And yeah. it's, and it's treat them like a, you know, like a, what's the, what we're looking for, you know, like a, a, a site of national interest or like a cultural, mm. a site of cultural importance. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how'd that I, come about? I was working at Surfer Rider Foundation. And went for a, um, a surf with my mate Martin Wright, who's from Witterings. Yeah, moved to Aggie, then moved over there. And uh, cut a long story short, we kind of like we're almost maroons because we borrowed somebody's boat and he crashed it on the beach at Straddy. <laughs> so I sat out, sat out of the lineup, and you know, my whole time in Australia, I was like going about the ribbon development and you know the runoff from the towns and stuff, and yep. looking at how Australia could be different, how can you protect this coast? Because they were pretty anti the greenies at the time. Yeah. You know, they were. And um, I stood there looking at South Stradi and the surfers were kind of wrecking it. There's there's plastics up there. The people were just crapping on the beach, you know, toilet paper, running over sand dunes. I'm going, this is a really special place. Why don't we try and protect it the other thing was like i couldn't get the boat off the island so it's like <laughs> we're stranded i can't i was just pre-mobile phone how yeah. are we going to get off what happens if i hurt myself there's nothing there so like right it's a special place how do you protect it and then i was like do you know what if, if we can protect one place and get a shoe in the door maybe we could roll this out so the it was all about protecting the coast and trying to get legislation to do that right but you're up against quite a right-wing government and that whole anti-greeny thing yeah so i knew you had to have a tag we can say that you can say that oh what if we did this but that is a mission <laughs> that's like not that's not an easy thing to accomplish no but you know 
the Aussies are really proud. Yeah. You know, and they got a really big surf scene. Yeah. They weren't particularly eco-friendly, but they loved their waves. And if you asked any Aussie on the beach, you know, they go, oh, you're pommed. You surf in the river. Look at our waves. They're amazing. The best in the world. Our surfers are the best in the world. Our coast is the best in the world. Our country is the best in the world. So, right, you go to them and go, okay, you've got a really special place here. Why yeah. don't you just recognize it and recognize the tradition, recognize what you've got, try and protect it a little bit. And once you've got the recognition, maybe market it. Yeah. Marketing equals bucks. Equals tourism, equals... Politicians engaged, yeah, yeah. people getting behind it. Yeah. So I went off and I wrote this whole um, proposal about South Stradley being um, a surfing reserve and it had all kinds of things like, before it's time really, composting toilets, all this eco stuff going on. Yeah. And uh, Brad said, oh, the um, Prime Minister of Queensland's coming down the beach, should we go and give this to her? And I was like, what? <laughs> and he's like, Yeah. So I was like, oh, yeah, okay, but how, I haven't got any money to photocopy it. And he's like, well, we haven't got any money. So I said, why don't you go across the road? There's a solicitor called Dennis asking for 30 bucks. We'll print it up and we'll go and give it to him. <laughs> I was like, I don't know Dennis. And he's like, he's a really nice guy. So I had to go over. And it actually is a legend. Full, he he uh, died a few years ago. But right. Full gold holder. He gave me 30 bucks. I just walked in off the street and said, I'm going to do this. Can I have 30 bucks for the printer? And he went, yeah, all right. Off you go. Wow, legend. So I printed it up. Brad went and gave it to the Queensland Prime Minister, who absolutely loved the whole idea. Right. And That's she was classic. like, all right, uh, let's do this. Right. And he came back and said, never guess what? Love it. They're going to do it. <laughs> I was like, what? That's amazing. Uh, but anyway... She got voted out of power before they could do anything. Right. So this document got shelved and it got put in the cupboard. And it was in the cupboard for about 10 years. Right. So 10 years after I come home, I get a, a phone call from Brad going, Steve, no, guess what? I'm going, what? I have spoken to you for a couple of years. They found the document. And they love it. <laughs> they love it. They want to roll it out. Right. And I was like, Go for it. So Brad set up National Surfing Reserves and, um, yeah, set off on a little journey doing that. Wow. And rolled it out. I think the first one where he wanted me to go it was with the Bra Boys. Right. And he's like, do you want to come down and be the first surfer to surf it? I was like, I think they <laughs> no, might have words about no, that. No, no pressure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm probably not going to come down now because I might get beaten up. Yeah. But, yeah, so it, it, it rolled out from there. And then the, the World Surfing Reserves have, have um, come out of Save the Waves. Yeah. Same kind of thing, you know, protection heritage sites. I mean, the surf sites, they're iconic and they're really special to us. So we love them, don't we? Yeah. But everybody else loves them. People love watching this, you know, so should be protected. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mentioned Arisera. You know, it's like a massive marketing drive for that place. Yeah. You know, it's like, you must be pretty proud when you go so when you go to those places and you know you well, i haven't been to any <laughs> you, know, you know what i mean they're like you must be like knowing about like all this, this you must i'm be, so stoked yeah. like um last week they had the save the ways convention down there and the queensland government announced just before it that they were going to legislate to protect the gold coast surfing reserve yeah i mean that's, so that that's is what... massive and then it goes back you can you can trace the lineage back 
to that original kind of idea, to Brad, like just fronting the Queensland president, to Dennis giving me the $30. That's really funny. When we have what no money. What a great money. story, man. Yeah. So it's all, it's taken a little while, but it's like, it's come through and I, I can't believe it. Yeah, that's brilliant. But, you know, it's one of those things when I go back to the writing as well. This is the other reason I wanted to do this at SAS. Massive impact. Biggest kind of like environmental surface group in the world. It is huge what they're doing. I'm so proud. It was a little bunch of us down the beach who were called bums all our lives. Yeah. Kicked it off. Everybody else had got involved from around the country at that time had just been called surf bums. Yeah. And we fronted up and did something really special. The writing, you know, I just like, oh, should I write it or not? Do you know what? It just came out of my mouth. Yeah. That's why I'm here. But, and the surfing reserves is the same thing. It's just like, I just did those things. And if I can do them and I can't spell, then anybody reading or uh, listening to this yeah. can do it too. But where is that's that? what I wanted to get across. Yeah, and, and uh, which is brilliant, but I'm really interested in like where it came from though. Like the, the kind of, the confidence, maybe that's not even the right word, but like the willingness to, to put yourself out there. Because one of the things that you said, and you mentioned it in relation with your mum, you know, you said like, um, people feel like there's ceilings in the way or they feel like it's not for them. And, you know, it can be circumstance. You know, we've talked about opportunity. You know, yeah. there's all these reasons why people don't do these things. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like I was saying at the beginning, you know, you're from a little place in Cornwall yeah. and you've and, and you've done these things, you've made these decisions. So where, where did that, where did you get that thing from that? The sea. That meant you didn't have that ceiling, you know what I mean? The surfing. Right, that's where it came from. It's all come from the surfing because I was really quiet as a kid, you know, and really shy. And I went surfing and that was like anything that mattered to me in the whole world. But it teaches you lots of stuff. It gives you confidence <laughs> it will handle your ass yep. when you're out of your league. Yep. Every time. <laughs> yeah. And you meet loads of interesting people. And at that time, it you know, that one common thread was surfing. And it didn't matter who you were, how much money you had, what you did for a living, you had the love of surfing. So it taught me there was a common thread. Yeah. It taught me to you know, be able to go out and challenge myself in the sea, which you can bring back into the ocean. Yeah. It taught me, you know, through travel and meeting people that people are just the same, especially when they've got the common thread. I mean, ain't that the truth? Yeah. So it taught me not to be afraid. Right. And the other thing was, because we was Porth Tower and everybody down there in the 60s and 70s and 80s were kind of like living in caravans, just going surfing, you know, that whole life balance thing. They were really hard to go on these trips. They were a little bit kind of rogue, you know, they'd gone rogue. You know, people from up country didn't understand them. What are all these people doing? Why have they got a job? Well, they did have a job, but you just didn't see them doing it because yeah. they were really clever about their time. Yeah, yeah. Work life balance, traveling in the winter. So there's this whole kind of community and their values were just instilled in me and when somebody is pouring sewage onto my beach and expecting me to go into it, then I'm going to pull them up on it. Yeah, yeah. You know, and things that I care about, I, I'm, yeah, I'm going to have a word with you. Yeah. Because you don't surf, basically, because I see what you're doing 
and it's wrong, but I'm just like, I have that confidence of being kind of slightly counterculture. Yeah. That whole thing. Loads of people have it. Snowboarders had it, didn't they? Yeah. The Olympics, all that stuff. Yeah. Skaters have it. Yeah. You know, you have that healthy disrespect or healthy cynicism. And because you've gone out and done really rad things like jumping off mountains or whatever, yeah. well, you, skiing, you've nailed you're not it. scared. You've nailed it though, because what you've what you've basically described there is like the, the activity is one thing, but what it gives you is the light is 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 another way. It gives yeah. you another lifestyle. It yeah. gives you another option. Yeah, you know, and it's it's really similar with me. Like with you know, I'm not I'm from a pretty unpromising place to end up doing what I ended up doing. You know what yeah. I mean? And it was just, it wasn't even the fact that it was snowboarding, skateboarding and later surfing. It was more like the fact that it was like, all oh, right, there's a different way of doing things. Yeah, that you, you can, don't have to do that you, nine till five. You don't have to do that. Till you die. No, and like, and the you world. get exposed to those people, don't you? And Yeah, and you know, you'd, you'd have gone wherever and then you'd been, oh, I wonder what that other mountain's like. I wonder what that mountain's yeah. like. Yeah, or you meet someone and they're like, you want to go there and like, and then it yeah. just, or and like you say, you meet... You know that describing going into the ASL offices and just seeing those people doing that, and then you're like, "Yeah, oh, maybe I could have a go at that." You know, that, that's yeah. what it is. Well, they were just surfers to me. Yeah, I mean, they were doing amazing things, but I was just like, "I'll give it a go." And yeah, they were like, "Yeah, all right." <laughs> yeah. So when did you realise that's what it was? That it was the surfing. Did you always kind of know it, or were you just trying yeah, to? Yeah, I've always known it. I've always known what a special experience it is. You know, I, I used to teach. Um, kids you know I was on the dole for a little bit and I did some surf lessons on the side and you know I taught some kids from up country and one was like his mum was like are you sure you want to take him out he can't see very well and I was like yeah I'll you know, be fine and she's like no he can't see <laughs> but I took him surfing and I, I had to shout at him the whole time but he loved it he absolutely loved it you know he, he felt the glide he was an instant natural I had to shout a lot to try and get him to come back to where I was right. and stuff. But, you know, that whole thing is just, yeah. And I just learned so much and I could see other people learning and learn about cultures, you know, and yeah. stuff. It's like there, there wasn't any racist surfers because we were all just like, yeah, it's, it's a Sri Lankan dude. You know, one, one year somebody rang me up and said, why are there not very many Asian surfers? So I was like... What, what, what's, what are you talking about? Because it's like, there's loads in <laughs> But they actually meant like British Asian surfers. Right, right, right. It's more of a cultural thing. Right. But to me, I was like, well, what is an Asian surfer? Because they're all just kind of surfers. And, you know, I've got some mates who've got different surnames, but I don't know whether I could go and ask them if they're where they're from because I'm just like, they're just my mates. I mean, that's an, that's an, that that particular question is just again it's an opportunity question isn't it you know it's yeah. like it's just if you show if you show it to enough people and you give enough people the opportunity then yeah. obviously there will be british asian surfers for example yeah, yeah. i mean you know it's yeah i mean it, actually that just comes down to population and where um you know it has grown from and stuff like that yeah but that, that's that what well i mean for ages is, there was not many surfers in thurso you know yeah exactly <laughs> but well and you know, it, it has to grow, doesn't it? Well, I mean, this the, there's there's a nice link to you mentioned the Olympics earlier, and you know, one of the things you said to me is you you know you're positive about the future, aren't you, of surfing, and you're positive about like yeah what it what it you, you know you didn't mention the Olympics, but you said people are always like running down surfing, saying it's like it the, yeah the, you I know. see it. 
see these comments, you know, surfing's dead and stuff, and surfing isn't dead, you know, and, and people try and box things in. Surfing is such an amazing thing. It's like I said, anybody on any given day can just pop out there. They could have had the shittiest day ever, catch one wave, you know, sunset, catch one wave, come in and just feel amazing. You see it now changing kids' lives, you know, the, um, the Paralympic surfers. Yeah. You know, like my mate Rick's out there. He's always just been out there. He's just another surfer. He's got one leg. He goes out, charges Nasray. You know, he's going off to Oregon or whatever. But, you know, nobody in Paramport or Aggie think any different. He's just a surfer. Yeah. He's just having a, a laugh. And, you know, there are no boundaries to riding waves. And you can ride them on your belly or whatever. You yeah. know, like... You know, on the little traditional, I started off on a lilo. Yeah, <laughs> you know, right, literally a lilo. Absolute chaos. <laughs> you know, at the top, hanging onto the pillow, going down like. That's hilarious. Lifeguards going, are you all right? I'm going, yeah, yeah, I'm surfing. They're going, you're not surfing. You need to go and get a surfboard. <laughs> it's like, well, why does this bend in the middle? Because it's, like, it's a lilo. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Before surf mats. Yeah. Yeah. But what, you know, when people make these comments, you've obviously got a really good perspective on this. And you've only got to look at like Instagram, um, maybe even Joel Tudor's Instagram. But like, you know, there's a lot of like, basically, it's not as good as it was. Like it's, you know, there's people, what are they trying to protect those people that are saying that? What, 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 do you know, do you, do you know what I mean? Like what, what is it that they are trying to um, keep hold of? What, um. what is that about? Well, there's, there's different things, aren't there? I mean, we're all local. Yeah. We all want to go surfing with just our mates. Um, yeah, so there's, you know, and there are more people in the sea. Yeah. So how do you recon- reconcile those two things, though, with what you're talking about, with, like, the fact that it's amazing. It's more difficult. But it, amazing always... for anybody, for everybody. And yeah. everybody's going to want that experience that you've described. Yeah. Um, with this thing of, like, trying to protect it so that few people can experience it. I mean, that's in a way like the great contradiction of surf culture isn't it you know? yeah it is so this is the whole thing of why surfing is really special is because it is a kind of countercultural thing we got our own norms and values um it's a really special experience we love it we're out in the environment you know you make friends for life you travel all over the place people are still trying to sell it as a sport it's not a sport it's, it's a lifestyle, it's an art, it's more like dance, you know, you speak to Sam Bleakley, you know, everybody's out there, you know, throwing shapes and stuff, it's not a sport, you know, and this is my whole argument with the Olympics, I don't think it will work, and I think Kurt surfing is cooler than the Olympics, because it'll be a few heats, and it's brilliant for the surfers, and it's brilliant to bring money into the sport, you know, and get the training, so my nephew's going to get, you know, eventually he'll be on the Olympic thing. Lucas Skinner, yeah. obviously, yeah. And, you know, and the other kids are going to get really good opportunities through it. But that is not the be-all and end-all. Yeah. The be-all and end-all is the ocean and just the pure fact of riding waves. That's all we want. That's what everybody wants, just a few waves. And it's not even many. Yeah. It's not even for a long time. Yeah, one will do. <laughs> one will do. One wave will do. It will change your whole day. Yeah. You know, and it's making massive differences to uh, underprivileged kids making massive differences women surfing yeah you know i come from a place where women were always respected and there was always as many women in the sea now it's growing and again more confidence you know 
there's this whole thing you know going on about glass ceilings as well yeah the whole me too thing yeah surfing is amazing for those girls because they get out there and they're amongst the lads you know and they fend for themselves and like my mates don't take any crap from anybody you know there's no bloke can put them down you know they're so strong um, so this, it brings all these things that goes back to the things that it teaches you you know you can be out there and like somebody can say something to you and you go oh yeah next minute they'll be wearing a 10 footer on there <laughs> you know and it's just like yeah, it that is comes a, back that is a particular sweet form of justice that isn't it yeah. yeah and again you know what you're describing is the thing that everybody can recognise from it you yeah know? it's all those common things you know it's got so much about it um, so many different angles you know, the travel, you learn about different cultures, you know, become way more accepting of other people's beliefs, you know, all that kind of stuff that happens in, like, in the minute. There's this racism in football is absolutely driving me nuts. Like, what is that? It's in the 1930s. You yeah. know, I was on terraces and I've witnessed my heroes who happen to be a different colour than a white boy on the terraces just getting monkey chance and I was just like what world are you guys in it's unbelievable but you don't get that because you've got Lara Bertelman you've got Buttons you've got Dan Kaloa you know they turn up, turned up Johnny Boy Gomes so like, you wouldn't argue with him anyway <laughs> or Sonny but you know they turned up any beach and you just look at them and just go they're just amazing surfers you know mm. all around and nobody saw the colour they didn't see that so you got all that perspective and all that in surfing is what makes it special. All right, last question. Um, you, you know, you said at the start you wanted to do this because you wanted to kind of like tell your story so that other people that listening might be, you know, be inspired basically. So if there is somebody that's listening in that. Yeah, I wouldn't say inspired. I'd just say, you know, I came, I've done some, I have done some cool stuff, you know, with some really cool people. And it's always been part of a team. And, you know, but the common bond is surfing. And the other thing is, like, giving it a go. But that's what surfing teaches you. Yeah. Because there's always a wave bigger. There's always something bigger. And you're always a bit like, oh, I don't know, should I go out? Should I not? Should I go out? And you go out. Then you wear one on the head and you're going, I'll just try one more. And that it's just that confidence that it gives you. But those things that I've done that I'm really proud of with SAS, you know, because we all had arguments with top business figures live on radio with top politicians and we all held our own and that only came from the confidence that the ocean gave us you know and if if you do want to be creative i never thought i was going to be creative i was like hauling bricks around a building site you know and then one day i just went well give this a go and you know it's pretty cool that i'm working at a surf bag yeah but that could be anybody yeah, yeah. and that could be anybody you know if they've got a dream they've just got to go and do it so that's kind of why I wanted to do it. Well, mate, I'm really glad you did. That was great. I really enjoyed it. Thanks, well, man. Hope so. No, it's wicked. Thank you. So there you go. That was me and Steve England, and I hope you enjoyed it. Now, I told you it was a great tale. Eh? My thanks to Steve for trusting me to tell his story in this way. I know it was a big deal for him, but I'm so glad I was able to help him get this across because I think people are going to love that. And I think it's important that people hear these stories of how you know, ordinary people driven by nothing more than a passion, like I said at the beginning, can make a career in these industries. It's certainly my story. As any of my mates will tell you, I'm very, very average at board riding. And that's fine. Most people are. But you don't need to be professional level good at this stuff. 
to get a career and to make it your life. That is the moral of Steve's story. And that's why I wanted to get him on here. So thanks, Steve. Look forward to seeing you when this is all over. So that concludes my Kernel Omnibus. I think it turned out pretty well, eh? Like I said earlier, my thanks to my guests for taking part and to Watergate Bay for being such gracious hosts. Cannot wait to get back down there in happy times, let me tell you. So what else is going on? Housekeeping Corner. The blog is up and running. Head on over to my website. You're going to find the archive, all my previous episodes, my Type 2 podcast with Patagonia and a new blog section. If you click on there, you're going to see the start of that. Got big plans to get a blog from every single guest who's been on here. It is a lot of work, but you know, I think I'm up to it. If you do like any of them, then please feel free to share them. That would be great. Elsewhere, I got yet another lovely letter. This one from listener Carl, who got in touch to say the following. Hey, Matt, how's it going? Just traveled up from Devon, listened to a few of your latest shows. Left at 3 a.m. from what feels like a relatively sane and almost safe place to head to Sussex. So before I start on the reams of emails that I've got to get through, I thought I'd say thanks. I feel very blessed to live near the sea in Devon. But over the last few months, it feels like a lifetime since I've surfed or swam due to the ferocity of the ocean this winter, which has meant an almost distancing from what is my happy place and a real feeling of disconnection. And now this strange time we find ourselves in has added to my frustrations. Having said all that, though, your interview with Mike Clay flashed past me this morning in what felt like five minutes. Thoroughly insightful, refreshing and made a lot of sense to me personally. Surfing to all of us is important as a chance to step away from the world and look back on things, reflect and all the myriad reasons why we do what we do on a board, be it surf, skate or snowboard. I can't quite think of why that interview touched me or made sense. I guess it's about that last paragraph. Yeah, it's important for sure. But like Mike suggested, it's not that important. It's just fun. Anyway, this is all going to pass. The waves will keep rolling in and uh, the mojo will return. That hour this morning made me realise that. Again, for what it's worth, a big thank you and much love, Carl. Thanks, Carl. Like I say every time, really like getting those letters, so keep sending them in. You can reach me at podcast at wearelookingsideways.com. So yeah, plenty going on. I mean, probably like a lot of you lot, I'm settling into this quarantine routine. I do appear to have created an inordinate amount of new work for myself, to be honest, which is fine. As a friend of mine said to me recently, well, the thing about you is you'd keep busy in a cave, which is probably very true. So the way it's going to go down from now on, I think really, is there's going to be regular episodes every Wednesday, give or take, because I often don't quite hit the Wednesday. It's going to be type two every month, also on a Wednesday. Then there's type two live every Friday which you can tune into over at my Instagram channel, We Look Sideways, and Looking Sideways Live every Sunday. You can also find that at We Look Sideways on Instagram. Plenty to be getting your teeth into if you are so inclined. All right, thanks for listening. That's it for this week. I'll see you next time. Nice one. Mm-hmm.